Amen. Good to see everybody. And uh, we are in a series that we're going to be wrapping up the next two weeks. Mikey will actually wrap it up, self-control on the final week. Um, but before we jump into it, a couple of things. One, uh, again, we just want to say thank you to anybody who volunteered last week with 125th. It was an absolutely amazing time of almost 150 people running for an amazing cause, great worship service. Uh, picnic was was. Truly a great time. I did find out some sort of competitive sides to people as we played the old school uh, baseball game out there. And we'll be talking some church discipline with some of you at some point. Uh, also, coming up, we are going to start a series on September 7th, not September, September 7th. Uh, we are very excited about and it's going to be for a whole year. We are going to look at this big picture overview of the whole of the Bible. And uh, the goal in it is not just to get you to know more. The goal in it is so that you would actually see Jesus Christ is on every page of Scripture. And that God is always moving towards us. So we encourage you to grab one of these. I would encourage you, a friend of mine uh, grabbed a few of them and has given them to his friends that he's sort of inviting to church. So a great opportunity to think about who are the people that I've been sharing my faith with, living uh, living out just sort of relationships with, grab them a Bible and invite them. It's going to be a fun, fun year. A lot of great tools in it. If you have bought it, I've talked to a number of you that have bought it. We're doing the flyover route. There's three routes in which you can sort of go into scripture. The flyover route is, is this uh, big picture overview that we are going to do for the year. year. So, okay. We're in the series Fruit of the Spirit. We are on gentleness this morning. And before we jump into gentleness, let's give a little bit of background to what's going on here in the book of Galatians. So we're in chapter 5, and leading into this, a couple of things. One is all of Paul's writings, all of the New Testament, it's about the good news. The good news that there is a living God who came in human form, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and rose again. So that we can have a relationship with God. It's the biggest and best news that broken, messed up people are being pursued by a living God. And it's through turning from our sin, turning from our wanting to be in charge of our life to Jesus, that we enter into this new way of living. We enter into this thing the Bible often talks about, the kingdom of God. And so in, in Galatia, in this little city, what happens is people are starting to name Jesus as king and Jesus as the forgiver of their life. And there's two groups in this little church. One is a group of people who've come out of Judaism. And coming out of Judaism, they are very much tied to the law. So there's a lot of law language in Galatians. They, they sort of thought the law could save them, could make them right with God, could bring the Messiah. And Paul's saying that was never the intent of the law. And then there's also a group of people who have come to name Jesus as forgiver and king who have come from this sort of pagan background. And they're all coming together to be like we are a church, trying to understand what it means to be God's people. And there's good things going on. There's also some challenging things going on. And Paul's talking to them about what it means to relate together, what it means to be a community. So let's jump all the way back to 16. I don't think we've actually done this yet. And give a little background leading into the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what Paul says in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Here, listen to this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. One of the realities of the Christian life, even after you've said yes to Jesus, even after you put your faith in Christ, is that it's still a battle, right? 
This is the battle between the spirit and the flesh of God being in control or me being in control. Day in, day out, there's two different ways to live and the invitation is to submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ in our lives. So there's two forces constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And then listen to this. When you follow the desires, so when you follow the works of the flesh is what some translations say. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And imagine for me, with me for a second, this group of people hearing this for the first time. You have the people who come out of Judaism, and you have the people who come out, come out of this pagan background where they were doing, I mean, they were doing gross sins. The Jude, people coming out of Judaism, not so bad. And here's what Paul says. When you're following the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. By the way, the desires of the sinful nature is that inner brokenness we all have. It's that selfishness. It's the desire for us to be king. That's what leads to the list that Paul is going to say here. So the results are clear. Sexual immorality. Imagine the people who've come out of Judaism looking over at the pagans saying, yeah, you, that's where you guys are. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures idolatry, sorcery. And part of the crowd is saying, yeah, they struggle with that stuff. They're really struggling. Then Paul goes on. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. So at the end of the day, he's hitting the whole of the crowd. When you're living as though you're in charge, when you're the king... At the end of the day, this is what it's going to lead to. Some of it looks really gross, and some of it we justify, like quarreling. And Paul says it's all the same thing. It even ends it on a high note. Wild parties and drunkenness and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not what it looks like in the kingdom of God where Jesus is king. And that brings us to the word we're going to talk about this morning, gentleness. It's intriguing. We're in a season in our church where we're looking for council members, sort of people to fill leadership positions. And when we're in those meetings, you're often talking about, man, are, are they a good leader? What have they done? Have they led a Bible study? What, have they been successful at what they do? And you talk about all these, these essentially outward things. So far in my 20 plus years of ministry, I've not heard somebody say, you know, are they gentle? We don't say that, do we? We don't, we don't say, are they kind? We, we don't say, are they faithful? But this is the type of thing that I think at the end of the day, what Scripture teaches us, because we said it in the first week, and it's all throughout Scripture, that we are known by our fruit. We're not known by what we make. We're not known by the position we hold. We're known by our fruit, the actual realities that come out of who I am at my core. Gentleness. Not often the coolest word that we talk about when we're looking at people. But let's talk about it this morning. 22 to 26, Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And then the rest of the chapter says this. Mikey will break it down a little bit next week. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. 
Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The word for gentleness is this word praetest. It means a mild disposition, a gentle spirit, meekness. A few times in the New Testament is actually translated humility. Starts to get us understanding what it might be. Let me share with you some other scriptures where this passage is used so that we can understand it. 1 Corinthians 4.21 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. Some of us need to hear that. Kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you? Or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Paul, as he was starting these early churches, knew that often in the churches, things started to go wrong. Quarreling happened. Strife happened. And Paul, more often than not, instead of coming with a heavy hand and yelling at him, bringing a bat in and just beating him up, he comes with a gentle spirit. Because what we're going to find is the gentle spirit is actually what changes people, not the heavy hand. 2 Corinthians 10.1 says this, Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. That it's the kindness, as that song says, of Christ that moves us to repentance. Not God coming down at us with a heavy hand. It's the kindness. There's something in this, the gentleness, I apologize, that moves us. Galatians 6, 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back in the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So when someone around you, someone in your small group, someone in your family is stepping willingly into sin, turning from God, how do we help them out? Do we gossip behind their back? Do we yell at them? The scripture says, gently restore. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Great passage. Colossians. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen to this one. 2 Timothy 2.25. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Some of, you, some of us just need to stop there and underline that and be like, okay, I'm going to practice that for a week. Let's keep reading though. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Listen, and be patient with difficult people. And for all of us in the room who are thinking like, I know who that difficult person is, somebody else has you in their mind right now, right? <laughs> for really honest, none of us are perfect. We're all broken. We're all messed up. And sometimes the same person that you have in your mind, they have you in their mind. Listen, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Isn't that good? It's hard to do. Like when I'm living 
as though I'm king, when I'm living out of the flesh, as I'm in charge, I'm selfish, my ambitions, I can't do that. And even if I do, it comes from a pretty broken place of me wanting to get some sort of attention. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Titus 3, 1 and 2. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. We're going to talk 10 minutes of politics right now because that's what we should do at church, right? But it does give us a lens into how followers of Jesus react to the governmental systems around them. How many of us in our relational world, people would look at them and say, man, they, even when they disagree, there's a gentleness about how they respond to the world around them. James 3.13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. That word humility, it's the same word. There's a, a very close connection between gentleness and humility. And then finally this, 1 Peter 3.15. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. I remember growing up, we memorized that verse and that verse alone. Someone asked me, I, I need to be able to share my faith. And we agree with that. We think Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. We think we should be able to talk about the hope that we've been given. But we often forget the next verse. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So each week of the series, we've been getting to the point where we say, can we define this word so that we understand, am I living this way? When the Spirit's in control, when I've submitted to faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm giving over daily control to the Spirit of God, the presence of God in my life, is gentleness one of the realities that is coming out of me? So I'd give this definition to you. Not thinking of yourself so highly so that you're sensitive to the needs of others. Not thinking of yourself so highly so that you're sensitive to the needs of others. It, it brings back Philippians 2, that we would esteem others as better than ourselves. Like, that can only be the work of God. Gentleness, when the Spirit is controlling through me, not thinking of ourselves so highly so that we're sensitive to the needs of others. It's a hard, it's, that's a hard learn, isn't it? A couple of years ago, I was talking with a pastor friend and, you know, ride arounds, we'd both just turned 40 and like, we we're finally realizing that some of the most important qualities that you look for in somebody when you're hiring are things like gentleness. We were specifically saying it, the number one thing is not what their resume looks like, is, is there like this true Christ-centered humility? Because if there's not, you don't want them on your team. It's going to cause to strife and quarreling and dissension. Not thinking of yourself so highly that you're sensitive to the needs of others. The opposite of, this, of it would be this. Thinking that we're superior, and it leads to this place that we're self-absorbed, we, we're self-promoting, and we crush and abuse the people in our relational world. We've said it each week, some of us just need to hear the opposite, because that's often how I live out. I'm just running you know, full speed into my relationships as though they're all there to make me happy. 
And we know that doesn't bring a lot of good to our relational world. Think about this. Gentleness is never a false modesty. It's not a self-deprecation or it's not a spineless refusal to not stand for anything. It's never just a cowardly retreat from reality. It's not false humility. It's true, depending on the spirit inside of you and me, to not think of ourselves so highly that we're sensitive to the needs of the people around us. The counterfeit is this. It's insecurity that is self-absorbed so that words of self-deprecation are said so that others affirm us. It's you and your relational world sort of with this false humility, needing words of affirmation so that you can feel good about yourself. And at the end of the day, that's not humility. That's not gentleness. And it doesn't build into the people around you. It's not seeing and being sensitive to their needs. It's a different, different way of living. Last summer, we did a series through Philippians And we talked at the end of chapter one about this whole idea that there are truly two kingdoms that we can live in. We can live in the kingdoms of the world which usually have us as king. And everybody in my kingdom is there to make me happy at the end of the day, if I'm really honest. But I know that the result of that is brokenness and pain and a lot of tears. It's just not good. And the other kingdom is the kingdom of God. Where through faith in Christ, we submit daily to the Spirit of God inside of us. And we begin to live in such a way that people describe us with words like gentleness and patience and faithfulness. And our relational world looks more and more healthy. One of the great ways, one of the great ways you can ask yourself how you're living out the fruit of the Spirit is to say this. How many broken relationships exist in my relational world. Think about it. If you're sitting there and and you're at strife with half the people that you know, then you're trying to be king. But if we're submitting to the Spirit, it doesn't mean our relationships are perfect. We still, I mean, we're doing repentance and forgiveness, but but we're doing these really good Christ-centered things that the fruit of the Spirit is the way in which we're living in our relational world, I would encourage you. We want to be known as people and as a people. They're described this way. You know, that, that, that person, there, there's a kindness, there, there's a gentleness there that, that's just, it's contagious. So what does your relational world look like? Father, God, I pray that we would leave today. That we walk out of this room as your sent people. Just as Jesus says, the Father has sent me, so send I you. We leave to be your church. And God, I pray that we would look a lot like this list. As individually and as corporately, day in, day out, we submit to your leadership in our life. We give over control to you. So that companies in and around Mankato look different. Homes and neighborhoods look different because of these followers. Schools look different. Lord, we pray that would happen to your glory and your honor and by the power of your spirit. Amen.